Give us the ballot, and we will place judges on the benches of the South who will do justly and love mercy. And we will place at the head of the Southern states governors who, will, who have felt not only the tang of the human, but the glow of the divine. Give us the ballot, and we will quietly and nonviolently, without rancor or bitterness, implement the Supreme Court's decision of May 17, 1954. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. That moment of democracy inspiration was Martin Luther King Jr. delivering his famous Give Us the Ballot speech at the 1957 Prayer Pilgrimage for Freedom gathering at the Lincoln Memorial. I'm Jason Franklin, Senior Advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, September 28th. Moving from 1957 to today, I'm keeping my eye on five big votes looming in Congress, which will define the future of our democracy and economy in the months and years to come. But first, happy National Voter Registration Day. Well, I hope if you're listening to 10 Minutes on Democracy, you're already registered to vote. If you're not, or if you know others who haven't registered, visit or send them to nationalvoterregistrationday.org to get registered. As you know, it's getting harder to vote in many states, but if you register early, it makes overcoming new barriers much more achievable until we pass new voter protections. Speaking of voter protections, passing the Freedom to Vote Act, the new negotiated version of the For the People Act, is one of the five big actions pending before Congress in what is sure to be a tense week or weeks ahead. I talked about the Freedom to Vote Act last week, but one question that has emerged since is whether the bill's prohibition against partisan gerrymandering, basically drawing electoral maps to benefit one political party, would apply to maps which have already been drawn by the time the bill becomes law. For example, the congressional map released by Texas Republicans yesterday that showcases an extreme partisan gerrymander designed to insulate GOP incumbents from increasingly diverse voters in Texas cities and growing hostility to far-right politics from many suburban voters. So the answer of whether the Freedom to Vote Act would prohibit maps that are already drawn is yes in terms of legal theory, but maybe in terms of practice. So what do I mean? Given the language of the new bill, states that draw new maps that are partisanly gerrymandered should be required by a court to redraw their districts. However, courts are often reluctant to require remedies for one electoral violation that may disrupt other aspects of the election schedule, such as filing deadlines for candidates who need to know their district boundaries or primary election dates. Some courts, particularly conservative ones that may be sympathetic to gerrymander attempts, may decide that if the disruption of drawing new maps is too great, then instead the midterm election should be held with the gerrymandered maps, with new maps for the following election. What that means is that with very slim majorities in both Congress and many state legislatures, that could be the difference in the balance of power at the 22 elections. So it's a major part of the urgency to pass the Freedom to Vote Act ASAP but we're all still waiting to see if there's any move on a filibuster reform or exemption that would let this piece of legislation pass. Beyond election reforms, we're also facing a massive set of spending and budget votes, which could fail from Republican and conservative Democratic resistance and rock the global economy, or wind up as historic Democratic legislative achievements. 
Nancy Pelosi delayed a vote on the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure deal that was scheduled to be voted on yesterday because of her negotiations with conservative Democrats. That vote has really starkly exposed the rifts within the Democratic Party, and over 60 members of the progressive wing are saying they would not vote on an infrastructure deal unless it was paired with the larger $3.5 trillion social spending package. But even today, in the last few hours, there are signs that they may be coming towards a vote, that some progressives seem that they may be willing to make a vote now on the infrastructure bill. By the time you listen to this, things may already be moving. But regardless, we expect it to move this week. Negotiations are fast and furious, and there's going to be a lot of the elements of that $3.5 trillion bill that are still being drafted and still being fought over. Debates ranging from means testing the child care tax credit to make it go to only poor families, to including or excluding several different massive health care reforms. And when we talk about massive, I just want to take a moment. It's easy to lose perspective on how big these bills are. I've been getting a lot of questions from people like, how do I even understand them? And I have found that one helpful way to understand this scale is to think in time rather than dollars. So brief detour from my normal quick recap to provide some context. Rather than a million dollars, think about a million seconds. One million seconds is 11 days. One billion seconds is 31 years. And one trillion seconds equals 32,000 years. So to spend $1.2 trillion, which is what's called for in this infrastructure bill, you'd be spending $1 every second for 38,000 years. To spend the $3.5 trillion social and climate package, you'd be spending $1 every second for 110,000 years. So a million is 11 days, a billion is 31 years, a trillion is almost 32,000 years, to give you a sense of that perspective. Turning back to the actions creating this supercharged, though, intense moment on Capitol Hill, the last two critical things which are now intersecting with these budget and voter protection debates are the continuing budget resolution and the debt ceiling. While really fiscal issues versus democracy issues in a pure sense, the breakdown on both of these votes is another sign of how hyper-polarized and damaged our democracy is. Yesterday, Republican senators refused to pass a resolution to keep the government operations fund and to raise the debt ceiling. That means to avoid a federal shutdown, we have just two days for a resolution to be passed before hundreds of thousands of federal workers get furloughed beginning at midnight on Thursday. Congress has a bit more time to pass the debt ceiling increase, but with all Republican senators opposed to cooperating with Democrats by mid-October to avoid a government default, we're looking at high-wire negotiations and pressure tactics, which if failed, could send us into an instant global recession. All of these votes are going to be intertwined. We're going to be seeing people jockeying that, if I vote for this, will you take that out of the other bill? If we can resolve this, will you do this on the other side? So expect a lot of intersections, and it's anyone's guess how voting rights, economic spending, and basically keeping the government functioning, will we be able to do all three? Will we be able to do two out of three? Or will things come crashing down and perhaps the biggest breakdown of our democracy that we've seen in a generation. 
remains to be seen. But for now, I just want to say thanks for joining me to hear a quick review of the key issues this week. I'm Jason Franklin. It's Tuesday, September 28th. Thanks for listening to 10 Minutes on Democracy.